Midnight Stroganoff. Midnight Stroganoff. Ow! Sounds like something it's not. <laughs> Midnight Stroganoff. It, it does sound Ooh. like a weird, like, Yugoslavian jazz song. It, it's, you know, it's, it's, no, it's, it's like a Russian booty call. Midnight Stroganoff, you know? It's booty call. There we go. Absolutely. Get my baby some borscht. Comrade. <laughs> Uh, dos padania. Uh. <laughs> you are all weirdos. All right. Hey, weirdo. Hey, weirdo. Okay. So I don't know uh, if we are a yet a well-established enough podcast to come into the studio and say, well, we had a whole show prepared, but I'm throwing it out the window because this just happened. But I feel like that's the card that I'm going to play today. Um, so can I... I think you get the right to do that. Well, I'm going to do it. I'm yeah. going to do it because this has been, I'm not going to lie, it's been a pretty complicated 48 hours or so here uh, in the La Casa de Bales household. Mm -hmm. uh, and for those who have known me for a long time, uh, know that I have something of a three-day decade man crush that has been going on on uh, the late great Andre Brower. Uh, Andre Brower was someone who I really uh, just paid so much attention to as, as not just an actor but as an artist. I thought that he covered so much range and brought so much humanity and gravitas to every role that he played. And Andre Brower walked into my life uh, as a teenager uh, when Homicide Life on the Street came on the air on NBC. Um, and I know that there's a lot of uh, listeners who are maybe a little bit younger who don't know that show because it's not on streaming anywhere. There's uh, There's been an ongoing issue with sort of like ownership of the show and music rights and things like that. But it's essentially, it was essentially the why before the wire it had a lot of the same creative people behind it it was set in baltimore uh it was centered on the homicide investigators at baltimore city police department uh and andre brower played uh, just an incredibly well written and brilliantly performed character named frank pembleton and frank pembleton is one of my favorite tv characters of all time uh i really feel like uh, you know, one of the things that Homicide really popularized was uh, the term the box, which is the interrogation room where they're interrogating a suspect. They always called it the box on that show. And I feel like they sort of brought that terminology to other cop shows. Uh, but when uh, Frank Pembleton and his partner Tim Bayless would have a suspect in the box, it was unmissable television. In fact, uh, in the first season, they had an entire episode 
that was an hour long of just those two and a suspect in the interrogation room. Uh, the episode is called Three Men and Adina. Uh, it had the late Moses Gunn uh, as well, who died shortly after that episode aired. Um, so it's hard to believe that two of the three men in that episode are gone. Uh, and universe, please protect Kyle Secor and give him more work because the man is a blessing. Uh, but <laughs> let me tell you, that is one of the greatest single hours of television that has ever been produced. I will put that up against literally any episode of any show you can name. Uh, and it will go toe-to-toe quite well. It is uh, just a brilliant, brilliant uh, one-hour piece of drama. Um, but I felt like when Frank Pembleton would interrogate a suspect, uh, it was uh, it was not an interrogation. It was a sermon in many ways. Uh, I felt like having um, not just a cop, not just a detective, and not just uh, a black man, quite frankly, uh, in a role like that in a network show uh, in the 90s. Uh, like, seriously, I know you've watched The Wire. Like, try and picture The Wire as a network cop show in the 90s uh, during the must-see TV era of NBC. You know? Like, during Friends stuff? Yeah, yeah, it, wow. it was, yeah. So that must-see TV was Thursday. Homicide, they stuck it for seven years, Friday nights at 10 p.m. They had the worst time slot. And they kept on the air as a cult following. Um, Homicide actually debuted following the Super Bowl, if you can believe that. Man, they Um, did not have any faith in that show, did they? (laughs) Well, no, they put it on because they gave it, like, when you show something right after the Super Bowl, that's when you've got the most eyeballs coming into it. So they really wanted that. Okay. But this happened to be the Super Bowl where the Buffalo Bills got blown the fuck out. Uh, by the Cowboys, and no one was watching. Uh, but it didn't, tr- at the end there, it didn't mm-hmm. translate to the type of success. But, you know, they had a lot of big-name actors uh, on that show, like Yafit Koto, who, of course, was the great James Bond villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Ned Beatty was on that show, Richard Belzer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just used camera technique uh, in very different ways. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, it's sad that that show is not on streaming. I hate to think that the passing of Andre Brower is going to be what brings Homicide to a streaming service, uh, probably Peacock, uh, yeah. before too long. Um, but that show was genius. But Frank Pembleton, I, I, I tell you what, I, I had never seen a character like that on television. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought just... What he brought to it, that was a character that taught me about justice and righteousness <laughs> and self-preservation uh, and uh, the complications of trying to do good in the world while being part of a system that mm-hmm. is not always bringing good into the world. Uh, and it was something that it was a show that was very, very ahead of its time. Uh, and Andre Brower, I just uh, attached to that guy. To, he was like a lightning rod. I just I watched everything he did. Uh, I thought Men of a Certain Age, which was a show he did after Homicide, was kind of a mediocre show, but I, mm-hmm. I watched quite a bit of it. Um, I watched him in that Nick Cage movie, City of Angels, where he's the trusty sidekick angel. Um, and of course, of course. Um, the incomparable uh, Raymond Holt on mm-hmm. Brooklyn Nine Nine, and I, um, you know, I saw 
a lot of my own father in Raymond Holt. I really genuinely mean that. You know, my father, well, my dad was a government employee. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was never out on the job. You know, he really didn't come out until after he retired. I mean, he came out in certain circles, but not right. publicly necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, in terms of his not paying attention to contemporary popular culture, being very interested in sort of more highbrow intellectual things, um, just there were so many things, you know, in in Ray Holt uh, that I just saw from my own father. So I really it was, you know, seeing him on on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and and I just fell in love with that character. And yes, just for the record, just to put my full uh, homicide life on the street geekdom out there. um, (laughs) Yes, yes. I was one of those uh, fools who was hoping, hoping, hoping that when they finally revealed uh, who uh, Captain Holt's uh, husband was on uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I was really hoping it was going to be Kyle Secor uh, and have Pembleton and Bayless together again, but on Brooklyn Nine-Nine doing a comedy. I, I, would, have, <laughs> I would have died from enjoyment uh, for that. It was, uh, it was brilliant. And by the way, just as a total sidebar... <laughs> Uh, you've seen Better Call Saul, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and my daughter is obsessed with, with Better Call Saul. But nice. um, Better Call Saul, I'll tell you, uh, it's an Easter egg in the final season, and you probably were not aware of this, but there's an episode. It's like the, the third or fourth last episode of Better Call Saul mm-hmm. where um, where Giancarlo Esposito goes to a wine bar. And mm-hmm. there's the sommelier there who talks about backpacking through Europe and getting lost. And they have this lovely scene. But what I don't think you understood was that was a tribute to Homicide fans because those two actors were partners on Homicide. Oh, uh, so Giancarlo really? Esposito was on, yeah, and Reed Diamond, uh, who wow. was the sommelier in that episode and, of course, was uh, Detective Mikey Kellerman on Homicide, who is, for the record, one of my favorite bad boy cops of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that that's a very specific genre that sometimes is very problematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mike Kellerman, uh, as the former arson investigator who ends up in Homicide uh, and really hates wearing chinos. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have the entire seven season set of Homicide on DVD. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Thank God for physical media, people. Uh, physical <laughs> media is very, very important to have. Uh, and this listen, is why. Listen, listen. As somebody who just inherited a VCR and a DVD player. Ha <laughs> uh. Um, yes, but do you have it on Laserdisc? That's, no, that's I the do true not. hardcore fans. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. That's true. I think technically Laserdiscs were out of print by the time Homicide would have been publishing that. When did they stop oh. making Laserdiscs? Probably late nineties. Don't tell me they still make them. Is there somebody out there that's still producing like Laserdiscs or VHS tapes? Well, no, the last VHS tape, I remember there was a big announcement when they stopped producing it. Um, but Laserdiscs, I want to say, they probably they probably got stopped producing once DVDs came out, essentially, I would right? think so. So late 90s, probably 98, yeah. something like that, 99? Yeah. Okay. My dad, huge proponent of the Betamax, by the way. He was oh, like, this, oh. Why does this not surprise me? Right? Like, he was just, no, no, no. It's a superior technology. It's, it's a superior it, product that absolutely nobody wants. Yeah. Well, you know what the problem was? The company d- decided not to print porn on Betamax. 
There's a huge thing. That's where the money is. All right. You know, just total sidebar. So, you know, I used to work in a video store that was known for its porn selection. Oh, really? There was a special porn section, and there were regulars. <laughs> Do you, and, and, can and there you was drop a guy. The name? Oh, Lavideo was the name of it. Uh, no longer exists. Lavideo, legendary it, San Francisco video store. It sounds litigious. Go on. So it was known mostly for having like rare and foreign films and like, <coughs> you know hard to find artsy stuff. Um, but you know gotcha. it also had your regular mainstream movies and 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 a sizable porn section. Um, and there was a guy. Uh, who worked there? Who did have his own employee pick section uh, in, in in the porn <laughs> section? But that's a that's a whole nother story. <laughs> that how guy. Old, how old were you when you worked at this video store? I was in my early twenties. Okay, okay. So you it wasn't like a high school. No, 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 no. You had to be eighteen to work there. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the porn section's in the back, sir. Well, it was. It was upstairs and in the back. And um, there was a guy who would come in all the time who, I swear to God, looked just like Wilford Brimley. Just <laughs> like the oatmeal guy. I, I, You know. And you'd have, like, the notes on the account, you know, like when you brought mm-hmm. up the account to run out the videos. And someone had put in there, you know, uh, what is it, a porn is the right thing to do and the tasty way to do it. <laughs> you know, just really, oh you know. Oh, my God. Full on Wilford Brimley, you know, getting porn, right? <laughs> wow, that's that porn is the were... right thing to do and the tasty that, way to do it. How did that not take off over diabetes? Diabetes. <laughs> diabetes. As a diabetic, I really hate those memes. I really, oh, really I'm hate sorry. them. Sorry, that's okay. That I just hate them. <laughs> well, I, me but, and Wilford Brimley quotes. I always quote the uh, "Never get old, never die." Never get old, never die. Never die. Yeah. He was like 50 when he made Cocoon, and he was like playing a super old guy. I mean, he's always been old, right? Like, I feel like he was born old. Yeah, yeah like, like he was Benjamin born Button with a mustache. On. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Clean shaven Wilford Brimley is like, I, I, it's mm-hmm. one of those things that if you were to see it, I feel like your whole body would turn to stone. It would be like seeing Medusa, you know? There's just like. <laughs> No one would know what to do if they saw a clean-shaven Wilford Brimley. Oh, man. Be the Ark of the Covenant all over again. And anyone under 30 has just tuned out of this. That's true. That's quite true. (laughs) But speaking of people under 30, so like I said, I've been very sad for the last couple of days about Andre Brower. So I got some really, really good news today. And this is the news... This is the thing that every parent wants to hear. And today was the day my daughter got her first college acceptance, people. My baby's going to college! Yeah! Ow! Your kid is so smart. I am so, so... I, I'm super excited. I'm so proud of my baby. I just, I, I can't even wait. My God. So I'm just really excited. And that's, you know, look, as a parent, it's just something that, you know, it's a moment that every parent wants to have in their mm-hmm. lives. And it's just a really cool thing. I'm so mm-hmm. proud of that kid. And I think she's going to have her choice of schools. And I think it's it's just a real accomplishment for her. And I'm, yeah. I'm super proud. Yeah. So, yeah. Anything I feel bad about doesn't really matter right now. 
because my baby is going to college. You oh did a good yeah, job with that one, Bales. You got Hell her. You got her yes. off to college. Yeah. Now, does does she know? Is is she planning on living on a campus or? Uh, yeah, she would be okay. based on on this school. She would be. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. And what I like is that it's a California school that's not that far away, so it's drivable. Right. You know. Yeah. 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 If if something but far enough away that she's definitely not with mom and dad anymore. You know. Um, but like I said, she'll she'll have some options. I'll, um, I will I'll try say to this. keep the will... empty nesting jokes to a minimum, Bailey. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> I, I could make a Richard Mulligan reference, and everyone under thirty would be completely tuned out. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> I don't so, even get that reference. Damn, that, Bailey. you know, I, I, I'm old. What can I say? <laughs> Someone out there got that. Whoever you are. Hey, Stan. How much do you love your coffee? Bailey, if I could, I would bathe in coffee daily. Well, whether you're bathing or drinking, our friends at Henry's House of Coffee are offering our listeners an exclusive discount. That's right. You can discover the rich taste of tradition with Henry's House of Coffee, a San Francisco-based family business since 1965. Three generations worth of family. They roast dark, smooth, never bitter coffee. So friends, just visit henryshouseofcoffee.com or download the Henry's House of Coffee app and use promo code WEIRDO. That's W-E-I-R-D-O for a 15% discount exclusive to fans of this show. 15%? I could afford my daily coffee habit now. Experience the legacy in every cup with Henry's House of Coffee. Like I was saying, um, one of the things that I think you know about me, and I'm sure we'll talk about this another time with, with mm-hmm. Thomas back on the show. By the way, we're this deep into the show, and yeah, we Thomas haven't even is, mentioned Thomas. Oh my! Thomas God, is so uh, on assignment this week, uh, <laughs> traveling across the country with with uh, some cats and a cute redhead. And uh, you know, last I saw, he was in Indiana posing for photos next to a statue of Larry Bird, which just Aww. seems right. All of he, that sounds I, appropriate. I did text him uh, last night uh, just to check in and make sure he's still good. Uh, and he sent me a wonderful picture of the cats. They're doing quite lovely. Uh, the trip has been very smooth. And hopefully they'll uh, either hit uh, the uh, destination either tonight or tomorrow. So We'll, see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah. yeah but we'll, he'll be back on the show in maybe a week or two whenever, whenever he's ready to come back on. And we'll get Thomas, all the deets. Thomas, come back. We hate you, you for out. leaving. Come back. <laughs> you can record a podcast now. Do, 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 do. Sorry. It's a number one hit waiting to happen, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so something that you may not know about me. Or you yes. probably heard me mention it at some point. I do want to actually talk about this at some point with Thomas on the show and another mm-hmm. friend of mine. But um, I'm someone who who pretty much gave up football. I'm someone who just, you know, I was someone okay. who was super, super, super into football. Mm-hmm. I grew up with the 49ers winning Super Bowls. Uh, uh, it was just yeah. that era, right? Well, yeah. I mean, like. Because they were fucking awesome. I exactly. my dad, my dad's sandwich shop in the Tenderloin had nothing but uh, Super Bowl Forty Nine er pedants posted everywhere. It was great. Nice. 
Nice. <laughs> that's a that's a whole story, BT Dumps. But please continue, Bailey. Yep, yep. So anyway, so um, I, you know, for various reasons, I stopped watching the NFL, and I pretty much stopped watching football just overall. Mm-hmm. But I, I carved out a loophole for myself. I said, if my kid gets into a school with mm-hmm. a football program, I will bandwagon fan the shit out of that school. Yes. What's so, their mascot? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't want to say on the. I don't want. I want to give hints of where she's going. That's that's okay. not up to me to tell. Oh, me. oh, oh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I will say this: um, I think this weekend I might be watching my first college bowl game in quite some time. Hell yeah! Just, just you know, just to see if I can get into it or not. I, I've got a lot of issues with football, but so what are your you know? issues, if I may ask? Oh my God, where to begin? I mean, um, I mean, like besides the cranial damage. This would well, the cranial thing is a big part of it. Um, the the kowtowing to Trump, the blacklisting of Kaepernick, Junior Seau's mm. suicide. There, there's a lot of things I could I could throw on that. Fair enough. Um, the Niners leaving the city, quite frankly. Um, that was you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, just just a lot of things uh, that have left me with a bad feeling about football. And I was somebody who was too into football. You know, mm. like I I didn't just watch every Sunday uh, and watch games that you know had teams I had no interest in, just watching for the sake of watching. But like, I played fantasy football. I commissioned mm-hmm. my fantasy football league. I won my fantasy football league three times. Um, I loved my fantasy See? league. So okay. this is how this is what a weirdo I am. This is what a nerd I am, Stan. Um, I the there was a year where I had just given up watching actual football, but tried to play fantasy football without watching real football, just based on numbers, <laughs> just to try and stay in this super nerdy fantasy football league with my friends. So okay, so you're the guy who shows up at the baseball game with the little like score pad where you're like tracking all the little diamonds and everything that's you no i sit next to that guy (laughs) (laughs) true story true story my 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 buddy chuck has season tickets for the giants and he he is almost always keeping score during the game because he loves it uh and it's it's awesome and he has great (laughs) seats too um, <laughs> That's amazing. He's a good well, I'm, I'm I'm glad you realized like you were going too too hard into it. Oh my god, it was toxic, and I didn't even <laughs> realize like you don't appreciate what a cultural chokehold the NFL has on the country until you really find a way mm-hmm. to, to to cut it out of your life and like look at it from a different perspective. Um, well, they it's... really do. They really do drive a lot of shit, uh, and all be and it's um, the thing that really got to me. I'll tell you, as a football fan. Mm-hmm. They sort of like kept asking you to overlook things, you know, like overlook uh, all the older players who can barely walk and overlook all the concussion and head trauma stuff and mm-hmm. overlook the blacklisting and overlook Michael Vick coming back into the league and overlook Michael Vick getting a hundred million dollar contract mm-hmm. and overlook all the domestic violence and overlook all this. And the reason you overlook all of it is because you love football. That's really the only justification. It's just because football. And because I think football. there's a there's a level of toxicity that I think I think some people are just addicted to football quite quite frankly you know I mean there is a certain there's a certain I don't know how to quite put it it there was a class I took at uh, San Francisco State a million years ago called uh, sports and media and Love it. it was yeah and it was really fascinating like all the different things that it touched on one of the things I remember specifically was like the old school newspaper 
everything was printed in black and white except for the front page and the sports section. Yep. And like, and it's that kind of dominating of sports in our culture that that's really kind of fascinating because they drive so much in advertising. They have so many eyeballs watching them from week to week that uh, that it's become kind of a corporate mentality almost. You know, like corporate corporate over over the actual game of it. Well, you know, it's interesting because live sports are one of the few things that seem to be sort of like DVR proof. You know, people watch things, they watch those things live and see mm-hmm. those ads live like TV used to be. That's mm-hmm. why there's a certain level of profitability that comes across uh, from live sports, you know? Mm-hmm. So I get it. I get yeah. it. I mean, and yeah, the, the, the amount of money that runs through the NFL is, is obscene. Uh, but anyway, uh, now that I've done this whole sermon about why I'm anti-football, I might be watching college football this weekend. So, hey, you know. College football ha- is, is good. That's okay. At least I, less corporate. It, it's, it, I don't know. There's it. a lot of money and corruption that's kind of ruining college football right now. I mean, that's a whole yeah. other story. No, there's, there's been a lot of corruption going in, you know, leading into it. But you know what? Support your kid. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, right. and you know, you know, Bailey. Tell me. This li- this is a perfect segue since uh, you don't play, you're not into uh, fantasy football anymore. Maybe you can get into Dungeons and Dragons, which is basically- which is basically fantasy football for nerds. Yes, exactly. Or as I heard, fantasy football referred to as D and D for sports fans. So this is what I keep getting told. It's it like who who explained it to me? It's because I, I, I have no idea how fantasy football works, but rea- uh, my friend explained it to me. Uh, it's it's Dungeons and Dragons, but instead of dice, it's with guys. That's okay. the only explanation I have ever made sense of fantasy football. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I'm happy. I'm happy to uh, uh, nerd out with Dungeons and Dragons. All right. So yeah. So please, like, this is uh, we're going to call this. You know, what makes you a weirdo? Uh, so Stan, you are a D and D aficionado. You are. You play weekly. Uh by well, uh, yeah, no, weekly. Uh, mostly bi-weekly, but I do have a couple of campaigns. So you have so you have a side piece in in this fantasy world is what you're telling me. You have like your main piece. campaign and you've got your, your side piece that you hang out with. Well, uh, technically, I have two side pieces. <laughs> oh damn! I, man, I got campaigns all over this place. This cleric's I, a running, player. <laughs> yeah, I've never actually ran. Uh, I've never dungeon mastered myself yet. Although I I have had inklings, but it seems very difficult. Okay, anyway. okay. So, so for people who maybe don't understand some of the nuances of Dungeons and Dragons, can you yes. just really quickly explain sort of the role of a player and the role of a dungeon master and how okay. those two interact with each other? Because the dungeon master is is what part referee, part storyteller, yes, so part basic- emperor, sort of. <laughs> So yeah, basically, uh, the the old school term actually uh, back in the day for the dungeon master was referee, right? Interesting. They in the very first generation, I found out um, they they are basically the ones that set the rules of the game, right? So they're the ones that uh, basically 
are involving you in this imaginary land of theirs. And uh, the DM will explain the terrain and uh, the setting of the scene and maybe drop a few hints here and there of what you may need to notice. It can be as expansive or as uh, compact as you want. The players then um, decide what they want, how they want to experience this world. And uh, they'll ask the DM, can I, you know, do X, Y, and Z? And the DM will say, you can try a uh, roll a X or Y check. So a, 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 an easy example, let's say we're trying to get you to speed up on uh, how to play really quickly, right? I'll pretend I'm the dungeon master and I'll say, um, you're in a room, it's very dark, you need to get out, what do you do, right? And you can ask questions uh, such as, uh, is there a door, uh, is there any source of light, whatever. And now, are these things that the DM has sort of scripted out? Like, what is the source of all this material? So is, is the DM responsible for sort of creating the universe of this, or is this something that's in, like, a book or a thing you download? Like, sort of the environments mm -hmm. that this imaginary uh, thing is taking place in, mm -hmm. who sort of forms that reality? Is that squarely on the DM to kind of create in their mind, or what does that look like? The DM is usually responsible for creating the reality. Um, but uh, the sources that they use can be different. Um, so you can, you know, there there are varying ways. Uh, what's called uh, homebrewed, right? That's that's like if you want to just go off the rails and do whatever, right? I'm current. One of my campaigns that I'm currently playing is a homebrewed uh, uh, Fallout Four campaign. Okay, you're going to have to explain that terminology real quick. I, I, okay, <laughs> homebrewed means the DM is sort of making a lot of things up. I get making, that. Right, making up the world and the, the uh, basically the vibe of the world. Okay. Uh, but, but you use the same rules that are in place if you were to, say, do what's called a module, which is written by the creators of D of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. And this is they, the thing you buy the books for to, to make this happen. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's a Dungeon Master handbook. There's a player's basic handbook. And that goes over like you roll a this die to do a that thing. These are what, uh, you know, the basic layout of the rules. Like this is the entry point. Uh, and honestly, I've never read it from cover to cover, so uh, a lot of the a lot of the players' hands seems like very lighthearted reading. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's intimidating at first, and in fact, I I never really played when I was in high school. I just watched my friends play because it seemed like a lot of reading and a lot of commitment. Okay, uh, but uh, but like especially now, um, I got into it kind of around the time of uh, the pandemic with the online services and okay. we would, we would uh, actually uh, do D&D sessions, you know, o over Zoom and stuff. Now, do you um, still do D&D &D online with Zoom stuff or are you getting together sometimes. in person with people to play? No, we're getting back together. It's a lot more fun in person um, just because, you know, I, I personally like the die rolls and the, you know, like... Uh, my dungeon, depending on which dungeon master is which, they'll like sketch out a real quick map of the layout. And there's something about being able to communicate uh, in person that I like better over the Zoom, just because, you know, there's always like that cutout, 
everybody hates a Zoom call. So yeah. trying to like have fun during a Zoom call, it's always kind of a bummer. <laughs> so explain to me and for mm-hmm. the people at home how dice rolling works as part of the game. Because sure. I don't what I don't understand is are there sort of like certain like set D&D standards where in X situation you roll this amount and this mm-hmm. happens and there's sort of like a designated thing? Or is this something yeah. where, again, the DM is sort of making up numbers like, oh, you've got a 20-sided die and you roll a 19 or better, you get this. But if you're 10 or between 10 and 19, you get this. or something. I don't gotcha. know how subjective this is so, to sort of like the preferences of the dungeon master. So the dice are pretty, pretty much... In the rules, right? That that's those are the rules that you're adhering to. Um, nine, I'd say, eighty to ninety percent of the time, you're rolling a d20. Okay, and what? And a d20 is a twenty-sided die. Twenty-sided die, exactly. Okay. Um, so yeah, so so um, nine times out of ten, the uh, the DM is going to say, okay, roll a charisma check, right? You a riz want- check. A, a riz check, rather. Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. They have- and, and so you have to roll. What, what's a good What's a good riz number to roll on a twenty on a d twenty? Uh, higher is always better. Okay. So uh, let's say uh, I'm playing a character that's not very riz. It's not okay. very charismatic, right? I kind of play a very blunt character. All right. So uh, we'll say my charisma, for example, is zero. Oof. So I if I roll a, a let's say a five. And I'm trying to um, hit on the bartender lady. You know, I go up there and I go, "Hey, bitch!" Uh, uh, the, sorry, I'm getting a, I'm getting out of uh, process here. Let me go. Back. <laughs> what? Okay, so wait, so you're gonna I'm hit to on the bartender. So you are the uncharismatic fellow as Let's a patron a- trying to hit on the bartender. Right, right, right. So you're gonna I'm, need a twenty out of twenty to make this work. Exactly right. And let's say I roll a five. Uh, Which no, can it's not going to go well. Exactly. So the DM then gets to say, okay, you walk up to the bartender. Uh, she stares you in the eye and spits in your beer and hands it to you. So basically, depending on the dice roll is what the DM then gets to uh, create. In so the mind. DM has bits. The DM has <laughs> comebacks. The DM has wacky scenarios for low rolls already sort of established. Uh, that that's no, that's usually based on uh, improv skills. Gotcha. Uh, in in general, if you roll between under ten, it's probably going to be bad. Okay. If you roll between a ten and a twenty, it's going to be good. Now, if you roll a twenty, that's called a critical hit, or you know, critical. All right. If you roll a one, that's a critical failure. So what? What would a twenty in this bartender situation? Uh, uh, you you roll a twenty uh, with your your <laughs> ugly, uncharismatic fellow hitting on the uh, the bar the bartender. So what happens with right. a twenty out of twenty? Uh, well, then the DM has to come up with a uh, with a scenario where the bartender madly, deeply, passionately falls in love with this uncharismatic person. So right. it could probably be something like, "Oh, really? Oh, um, here's my number, big boy. Call me later." Wink, and then the bartender leaves. Depending on how how much role playing the DM wants to get into I with see. the other player, you know. I see. 
So some DMs are friskier than others, is what you're telling me. Well, some DMs can think better on their feet. And, and by the way, by the way, just it, it, let's just be clear. DM meaning dungeon master. DM it means something else. When we're talking about you know spicy DMs or what have you. Oh sure, yeah, no, everybody likes to make the dungeon master joke, but the DM, nah. the dungeon master, they're the referee. They're the one that sets the rules, and they're the ones okay. coming up with um, the outcomes depending on what how high or low your dice are the other dice in in the set because there's like you know everybody's like oh d8 and d6 and how, how am i supposed to know that's mostly for like modifiers and spells and stuff you're always roll you're more than likely rolling a d20 90 percent of the time so here's the thing that mm-hmm. I, I, just from a human behavior standpoint okay yeah. i feel like you cannot play Dungeons and Dragons with someone casually. I feel like this is something where you really have to have buy-in into a group. And there seems to me there has to be a certain trust factor with the people that you are playing the game with, you are campaigning with, if you will. Because on the one hand, you are doing sort of like... It's almost like Vegas because you've got to roll the dice and you've got your friends around you and who would you want to have on a Vegas trip. But then it's not actually Vegas. It's a place where you use skills you used as a child on the playground where you're sort of using Mm -hmm. your pretend skills and your imagination Mm -hmm. and maybe maybe improv games from hell as the case may be. So uh, I, I feel like you have to have a certain rapport and a certain trust level built up with the people you actually play this game with. You can't just get together with strangers and try to play Dungeons and Dragons. Honestly, like uh, I had a, I had one of my DMs actually just came back from uh, uh, this special event in London called, uh, I think it's called like D and D in a Castle, where like they went to they went to London, they hung out in a castle and got to play like a little mini campaign over the course of a weekend with people from New York and Canada and like all because they all just sort of bought into wanting to play D&D. It's the buy-in honestly is do I want to play D&D? First Interesting. Okay. So now right? why do you why do you play it? What what is the appeal of D&D to you? What 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 is it for you that you like about it? Well, uh, I I really love the ritual of it, like especially during the shutdown. You know, having a fr- having a reason to hang out with my friends from week to week was really really good for my sanity. You know what I mean? Like that's that's yeah. first and foremost. We Second- we did a similar thing with Jackbox games, so I completely relate. Exactly right, and it was really just like. Um, like we wanted this campaign to keep going and keep going and keep going and it did and we it survived the pan you know us being really depressed during the pandemic which has to say something right absolutely um so there's so there's that um the other thing is you know i was always the kid that loved to play pretend all the time me too so to have everyone kind of buying into yeah let's just play pretend but we'll have a set of rules to agree to in order for us to all join in and play pretend. You know what I mean? Because there's always that like pl- that scene in on the playground where it's like, well, yeah, but my gun is super duper awesome and I'm just going to blow your head off. And the other kids are like, but we were just all having a good, good time. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So this is kind of my thing. Like, so because you are essentially, you know, using your imagination mm-hmm. and playing pretend as part of this game that has a set of rules. Right. Do, do you ever encounter scenarios wherein one player is visualizing sort of a different reality of the world than necessarily what has been established amongst other players? And you get into that sort of, well, my gun is bigger than my imaginary gun is bigger than your imaginary gun and I blow you away <laughs> type of scenario. Well, yeah, I mean, A, uh, there's not really guns in Dungeons and Dragons. So, Fair. You know. <laughs> but, I mean, depending on... I'm going to make all the nerds very upset on the internet if I say that. There are certain ways you can have guns in Dungeons and Dragons. Basically, that's where the referee comes in, right? So, um, if if I were to say, like, well, my Warhammer is super duper awesome and it's going to smash that guy. What you have to do is you have to first roll an attack to see if you even hit him to begin with, and then you roll damage on your Warhammer or your sword or whatever, right? So there are steps to uh, certain actions, especially when you're fighting, Um, but depending on how you want to make decisions in the world, the DM will say, okay, in order to do that, you'll have to make a this kind of roll. Okay. Right? So when it comes to rolling for damage, explain to me, like I'm a moron, Mm -hmm. what are hit points and how do they get involved in this scenario? Well, hit points are just your health points. Okay. So it's your health, the equivalent of a health meter in a video game, basically. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So you have health points and you have AC, right? Your armor class. Okay. So... Can you um, go into a little more detail about armor class and what that might entail? Sure. So armor class is basically like... um, It's sort of... It's basically like if I... Let's say my armor class is 17, right? Okay. And you roll to hit me. If you roll higher than a 17, that hits. If you roll lower than a 17, that does not hit. I does see. Does that make sense? I see. Okay. Yeah. So, so. And uh, it's not like blackjack where you can hit me. You just roll one time and have to be better than 17. Right. I mean, there are certain scenarios, but ultimately you get one attack per action. So, gotcha. so an action. Uh, so if you're in a fight scenario, right, you have an action. You have a bonus action, you have movement, and there's other stuff too. But those are the main things, right? Action, bonus, action, movement. So if I have in my list of actions, I can hit you, and your arm... Yeah, exactly. And your armor class is 16, I have to roll higher than a 16. So then... Let's say I roll a 17, I hit you, that's when I roll the damage and see how much damage I do, you take that out of your hit points. I, I feel like roll the damage should be like a nerd euphemism for something it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, we always love to go, what's your damage? Uh, <laughs> so your with your damage? with your group that you play with, do mm-hmm. people sort of like make noises when they get hit like a, ugh, ah, oh, like how, how into it do you guys part. get? How performative? Uh, I mean... There, okay, I have a story, if Tell you want me. to hear. I do. So, so now granted, uh, and I'm, I'm sorry if we lose a, a, a parental rating on this, but uh, our, our, our group tends to get a little stoned. When we I, I find that hard to believe. I know, I know. We, we, we have a potluck, we get stoned, we play D&D, it's a grand old time. 
This is also why we like to show up in person. This sounds magnificent. <laughs> so there was a scenario where my character, uh, who is named Mufasto, Mufasto, very, Mufasto? very Wait, wait, wait. Say this, this name is what? M- Mufasto's name. Mufasto. Is Mufasto. Tell me Mufasto. about Mufasto. Mufasto is very big. Mufasto, very big barbarian. I see. Mufasto, not very smart. But Mufasto. Do you always speak in this accent when you are playing Mufasto? Oh, yes. Mufasto is a little bit of strong bad, a little bit of Hulk, a little bit of cookie monster. (laughs) Mufasto is an amalgamation of a lot of voices. (laughs) (laughs) So so my character, Mufasto, who, um, yeah, very strong character, usually means not very smart character, right? Somehow, I got... Batista and Guardians. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) With with a funny accent. So, uh, now we get into the scenario where uh, Mufasto has to hit on somebody to get some information. Uh, So, wait. uh, So, so this lack of Riz example was from real life. This might have been a... Okay. This might have been a recent example. (laughs) Okay. okay. Um, Because... Because... uh, Mufasto's uh, lack of riz episode title. <laughs> oh boy, there was a whole thing where where uh, 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 our DM was like, "Okay, so you step up to this person that you're trying to hit on and get into their room. What do you say to them?" And so I have to go, "Hey, big boy, how's it going?" And it turned into this like giggle session of like you know you know when like Bugs Bunny has to dress up. And, like, hit on Elmer Fudd to get out of a situation. You mean, like, when Bugs Bunny would dress up like a girl bunny? Did yes, exactly. Did you ever exa- feel funny, Wayne? <laughs> exactly, Wayne. Okay, exactly, okay. Garth. Yeah, it was that kind of situation. Just, like, this should not have happened to this character. Mufasto gotcha. has two moves, and yet somehow has to be the persuaded uh, deception person. <laughs> It's sort of like uh, that movie Knocked Up where the only dance movie he has is rolling the dice. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is kind of what you had to do with Mufasto, quite quite literally. Yeah. You had to roll the dice. I had to roll the dice. There was also one time another one of us uh, had to uh, lure a gorilla out of hiding. And so... Oh, uh, So did Mufasto get to yeah. fight a gorilla? Mufasto yes. didn't get to fight the gorilla. What? Mufasto had... Listen, Mufasto has had good fights. Mufasto ripped the toe off a dragon one time. Impressive. What yes. happened with the gorilla, though? Oh, well, the gorilla... I wasn't there for the gorilla thing, but apparently they had to lure out the gorilla. So one of our players uh, said, and I quote, in their sexiest gorilla voice, what am I going to do with all these bananas? <laughs> Just big old, trying to make it sound like they had a pile of bananas for this gorilla. Your sexiest gorilla voice. In in a sexy gorilla voice. I see. You you lure out this gorilla by saying, "What am I going to do with all these bananas?" <laughs> I believe that character was a druid, so they could have t- so they could talk to animals. I see. Okay, that that makes right. more sense. So now, so now, Muf- what is Mufasa? What what kind of character is Mufasa? Mufasa is a barbarian tiefling. Okay. Um, barbarian meaning, uh, kind of a, uh, just a warrior of the land sort of deal. Thomas, basically. No. Thomas, basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, just, uh, uh, yeah, like, uh, uh, barbarian's big, big move is, uh, to rage. 
Um, very so, on brand. Okay. Yeah. So you get like two swings per attack and you don't take any damage. But yeah, basically you like work yourself up into a frenzy to the point where you're like just running around smacking people. It's great. Um, What's your favorite thing that Mufasto has destroyed? Oh, oh, that's good call. Uh, Mufasto, Mufasto has done lots of damage in the past. <laughs> I mean, pretty proud of the fact that uh, Mufasto killed a dragon with its own toe. I mean, that was a pretty good day for Mufasto. Mufasto has used this accent in inappropriate social situations. Uh, Mufasto doesn't really do pronouns very well. Mufasto in trouble. Mufasto Mufasto tends to talk in third person. Mufasto get canceled on Twitter. Mufasto may get canceled on Twitter. Mufasto Mufasto just wants to have a good time, but uh, Mufasto tends to get smashy-smashy with a lot of things. (laughs) Mufasto's big thing is to smash with Smasher. I, I think I think he and I would get along very well. Oh yes. Oh yeah. All right. So so feel free what to is... ask Mufasto question. You want to interview Mufasto? <laughs> you can. You you. I are feel like I already to... am. Okay. All right. So Have fun. what is? Let me ask you this. Yes. Seriously, what is the thing that maybe people who have not had much experience with D and D? What is? I think. What do you think is the biggest misconception people have about it? Um, that it is, <laughs> depending on who you ask, probably the biggest hang up is all the math. Honestly. Okay, explain, explain that a little bit. Because when you look at a character sheet, uh, that's basically laid out of like all of your weapons and what your armor class does and everything, just that kind of thing could really throw people for a loop. And I feel like kind of threw me for a loop because there is that sort of like this is a world of pretend what do you mean i can't just do whatever i want and and i'm feeling a little thrown for a loop myself right now Mm -hmm. so just can you can you just for the uninitiated a character sheet is like your bio and your inventory or like what is what am i missing with a character sheet uh no that you're you're absolutely correct it's your inventory it's your buy it's your um stats right so like you so when you're creating a character you have to you have a a certain amount of points uh to start with right you've got um strength charisma wisdom intelligence constitution and the riz riz no i said charisma there's there's three strengths and three intelligences right depending on what kind of character so so you could either do like a point buy-in where it's like you put your most points in this because you're a barbarian you probably want to have a strong constitution or a lot of strength right whereas if you were playing um like a wizard you don't really need to be strong but you need to be smart gotcha what is the thing that you would say to get someone who has never played D&D to try it? I would say find yourself a group of people who you like to hang out with, uh, who don't get hung up on getting the rules right at the beginning because if you're with the right group of people there everyone's going to help each other out 
You know okay. what I mean? Everyone's, you know, I, I always can't find, like, what I'm supposed to roll and forget what I'm supposed to do all the time. And if you can get over that kind of hang-up of, like, oh, man, I'm, I'm messing up this game, and you just commit to having fun, that's, that's the most important thing. Don't, now, can, don't, can you bring character sheets from one campaign to another? Oh, like, sure. if you're hanging out with your friend... Okay, so you hang on to the character sheet, but the DM helps you come up with it. And then... But then there's leveling up of some kind of characters, too. Can you, mm-hmm. can you talk about the level-up process and what that looks like? Sure. Uh, so, depending on how your character levels up, you know, different characters level up differently. Um, and different generations of D&D also level up differently, right? How, but so, how do you... I, I don't understand how you level up. Can you... Explain that, that a little bit more. That's that's more at the regard of the DM, truth be told. Because um, they'll basically set a goal, ultimately. They'll, they'll set a, sort of a situation where either, you know, if you... <sighs> so are okay, DMs sorry. regulated in any way? Are there, like, universal standards for, for, for DMs? Is yeah, there, that's, like, that's a, what the DM like, a federal standard for. of dungeon mastery you have to maintain? Is there a... <laughs> I mean, do you have to get recertified I mean, as a dungeon master every three years? No, please. Come on. <laughs> come on. You you should see some of the stoners I play with. <laughs> no, but there is the dungeon master handbook that anybody can own. Right. So if the DM makes a call and that and somebody has, you know, says, I don't think that's the right call. Essentially, you can both have the rule book in hand and say, like, OK, well, we can look that up and like determine right nobody has all of the rules memorized because that's not the 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 that's just not capable unless you're like studying these things every single day but if anybody has any utterance with the dm there's always a way to determine what the outcome is ultimately though the dm is setting up a basically a video an imaginary video game for you to play so they're ultimate goal is to try to get you to complete whatever they've set up right okay we we always joke about like how um oh i sorry i'm i'm all over the place i was gonna go back there's two ways of leveling up in D. okay there is milestones and there is xp xp is for the like hardcore math nerds right okay like you can like if you're leveling up with XP, you can basically do, you know, do, like, grindy stuff and just level up by, like, killing sheep and getting 50 points a pop if you want to look through, like, the DM handbook and see which, you know, that that's that's for, like, the hardcore math nerds. Milestone uh, is kind of like, um, okay, I, I you completed the big mission, you got the sword, you got the... You got the prize at the end of the title. You killed the baddie. Everyone levels up. And so the numbers that you level up or XP experience points that you earn are solely at the discretion of the dungeon master? Um, not necessarily. I mean, if you're keeping track of it, um, like, it, again, the, the discretion is whether or not the DM says we're leveling up with XP or with milestone, right? That's, that's what the DM determines. Okay, so that that sounds kind of like baseball with or without the designated hitter. <laughs> I don't know what that. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. 
We're speaking different. See, we can yeah. speak different languages here. We can. No. Uh, I mean, What's like, the D and D equivalent so, of the infield fly rule? Heyo. <laughs> that joke was for two of you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel like there's an offsides joke just waiting to happen there. Um, Which is neither baseball nor D and D, but that's besides the point. What I was going to say was, um, yeah, there are certain things that are at the discretion of the DM, but there is still a, a an understanding that the DM is adhering to the rules in one way or another, right? Got it. Using the Dungeon Master Handbook and either... So does he have like a code of conduct? Is that essentially what the guidebook is? (laughs) Uh, I mean... Because that would would... mean that Dungeon Masters are more heavily regulated than the Supreme Court. And that that really is saying something (laughs) about our country. I mean, I don't know if there are rules of discourse listed. I've never read the Dungeon Master Handbook. I just have it online. Um, But (laughs) that would be hilarious. One last question about D&D, Stan, and it's a very important one. Yes, please. When are you going to ask me to play? (gasps) Don't even ask. Oh, well, I don't run a campaign is the thing. I see. Uh, I feel like you've got some stroke. I feel like you've got some influence around here. Uh, no, I, I was actually thinking about running a running a homebrew of my own that I was uh, trying to get l- differing levels of opinions and player uh, knowledge on. So you might be getting an invitation for that. If I, not, I, I, okay. If uh, not, it's okay. You don't. You never really love me. I understand. It's okay. Oh, I'm not. Okay. I'm not nerdy enough to hang out with the real nerds. I've got to sit on the job, sidelines. I've, I've got to be Listen. on the sidelines at Denny's watching you guys play. Oh my god! D&D. Oh, how dare you? How dare you? Fine. You know what? Fine. I'll start a campaign and I'll invite you. I don't know how to run one, but I'll do it. That's Just okay. I don't know how to play, pet. so it is. We're, 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 <laughs> I'll just make up the rules as I go along and be like, yeah, no, you totally, uh, totally won that charisma check. Sure, sure. <laughs> anyway, right, so, if you ever need help uh, creating a character, too, you just hit me up because I, I love this shit. Hey, guys. Guys, guess what? Guess what? What? What, what up? Dude, you're not going to believe it. Our friends over at Henry's House of Coffee, they Ooh. are giving an exclusive discount for listeners of this show. Can you believe what? it? Henry's House of Coffee? Yeah, Henry's House of Coffee. Discover the rich taste of tradition. For all of our friends, all those weirdos out there, discover the rich taste of tradition with Henry's House of Coffee, a San Francisco-based family business for over three generations. Since 1965, they roast dark, smooth, never-bitter coffee. Visit henryshouseofcoffee.com or download the Henry's House of Coffee app and use promo code WEIRDO. That's W-E-I-R-D-O for a 15% discount on your next order. They ship nationwide. Experience the legacy in every cup with Henry's House of Coffee. Coffee for all my friends. All right. Well, that was a pretty epic journey into the D&D adventures and misadventures of Stan there. And I, I, I certainly hope that Mufasto will roll 20 on a charisma and get to bang that legendary mythical bartender. I think I, I pray. Yes, that those are squad goals for, for Mufasto. <laughs> and until next time, this has been uh, You Are All Weirdos. Uh, thanks again uh, to Stan and uh, Thomas will be back with us uh, soon.
Uh, a reminder that our uh, theme song is done by uh, the band Seal Party. You can check them out at sealparty.com. And uh, their frontman, Kevin Seal, is going to be our guest on the next episode. Uh, so can't, w- can't wait for that. And if you have any questions or comments for us, please send us an email at youareallweirdospodcast at gmail.com. Uh, until next time, good night, kids. Oh, Bailey, there is a song for you to hear. And I'm sitting here with... Oh, God, this song sucks. I was trying to come and up with a song. And we want to make it very clear. This song is for <laughs> Bailey. Bailey, this you song is for a claim. Bailey. We're going insane because he submitted the claim. And oh, we want... Bailey. <laughs> oh, <Will> you... Bailey. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with a Mandy joke. <laughs> oh, Bailey. We're... Well, you said you submitted the claim. <laughs> but you but you went it away. But oh, you... Bailey. <laughs> but you misspelled your name. <laughs> I walked in on the best part of this. I have no idea what the hell is going on. <laughs> but we You're think you have... might be going a bit insane. Woo! Because you misspelled Bailey. On your claim. What the fuck are you talking about, bitches? You're going to have to find out later, buddy. Oh, shit. Tune in next time. I know. How much... Wait, did, that, did that all pick up? Bailey. Yes. Everything. <laughs> You're gone. It was recording the whole time. <laughs>